Welcome, everybody. Welcome in. Doing it a little differently than usual on the Better Than Best Academy podcast. We're actually currently on Spaces as well, so I'm interested to see how, how this goes. But my guest today is nothing short of extraordinary. We literally just met. Fabio is his name, and I'm excited to hear more about his story. I would do a whole intro, but I'd rather let him intro himself. So and my, my audience is new to you, Fabio, and I myself am new to you just meeting you. So I would love to open up with this, this question of who is Fabio? Awesome. Red, I just wanted to tell you that it's an honor to be here. Uh, let me tell, tell you about me a little. My name is Fabio. I'm from Brazil. I have worked uh, for seven years as a mediator, a negotiator, and a crisis manager. I worked for a bank for around three years of my professional life. And I mostly did uh, credit renegotiation and credit restructuring. And then I decided to, to do something a little bit off my comfort zone. And I went to become uh, a crisis manager at two of Brazil's largest tragedies to date. So there are two big tragedies in Brazil that's called Brumadinho and another one in Maceió. And I worked as, as a crisis manager over there. They were amazing experiences for me. Working as a crisis manager was like, yeah, I know it sounds bad, but it's so interesting and it's so over good, like positively overwhelming to work in a place where every, every minute of every second of every minute counts. And you always have to make decisions on the spot. You always have to be on your feet when people ask you stuff. It's really hard to prioritize because everything is exploding and it's important to just take care of everything because everything is important. So it, it was, it was really nice, but it's also very demanding. And when, when I got the job for the first time, I burned out like after three months and I had this serious burnout. I almost died. I, I spent one week in the hospital recovering and then I was, I, and then I had to stop working for almost another six months. So this was a big burnout. And then I had a second one when I was almost ending with my crisis management career because it's too intense. And uh, so it was, a, it was more mild, but it was a burnout as well. I had all sorts of physical symptoms, but it's the job. It, it was just so like thrilling that it was hard for me to stop. It sounds almost like a drug. I love that, man. Such an interesting line of work, negotiating and crisis management. I, I can't imagine. I'm sure it was super interesting. And there's that level of, of like humanity. I'm sure that you got to see firsthand and I'm curious now. So, so take us to now, what are you doing now? So now I'm eight months into a serial entrepreneur career been figuring a lot of things out because even though negotiation is very, um, it's a very good skill to have, I'm still figuring the best way to monetize it. It's something that I think that all of us, we could learn, but yeah, so I, I've been experimenting with some ideas and to help people negotiate better, to help people 
communicate better. And yeah, still, I don't have, I don't, I don't still have a product. I don't yet have a product to tell people about, but I believe I'm, re I'm pretty close to something. And it's been nice. I've been learning a lot of different skills. Copywriting seems to be when I got into this adventure. The first thing that I, I learned was no matter what you do, learn copywriting because you have to be interesting online with your, and your writing skills have to be crisp. That's what I was working on for a while. And let's see how, how these things go. I'm, I'm excited about the future. I'm curious, what do you think was it and what do you pull from your original line of work, like negotiating crisis management? Uh, how, how are you using what you learned in that season? in your current season of copywriting and entrepreneurship? This is a great question, Red. I think that one thing that we use a lot, but it's still different. There, there's a big difference is the element of persuasion. When you're in crisis management, you have to learn to negotiate. And not only that, but you have to learn strong on persuasion tactics because People don't make the decisions that they're supposed to make in a, in a fast pace. So you have to make the decisions for them sometimes and help them see that that decision is the best option available. So it's, re it's very counterintuitive. Persuasion is something that I, I, I have to say is, is something that's easy for me when I'm with someone else, when I'm speaking to them, negotiating to, with them. But there's a challenge when you're writing. When, you, when you're copywriting, um, you're persuading to, to an imaginary someone. You're, you're persuading a, a big audience. And that's a challenge because you don't know. You can only make, make theories about what the interests of the people are, but you cannot nail that for sure. When in negotiation, you can. But I see that the similarity lies in the structure of persuasion, there, you have mental triggers that work on both sides. So when you talk about authority, authority is an argument that you can use in a negotiation that you should also use in a copywriting text to sell better. Also, principle of reciprocity. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's something that you use a lot in a negotiation and it's, com it's completely possible to do this in copywriting as well. So it's been interesting to see how if you're a copywriter, basically, you know, already a 50% of negotiation, I would say, because it's all about knowing how to find a message to persuade someone. The only difference is that when you're negotiating, you have an exchange, which kind of takes persuasion job a little bit further. I think that's super interesting. And the, the thing, the key thing I, I pull out of it is the, the art of persuasion there. Because I feel like it's a, it's a very important aspect of copywriting and honestly, anything when it comes to marketing your business or your personal brand. So I think that's a huge thing to think of. And, and one thing that comes to mind when I think about persuasion is there's such a fine line of persuasion and manipulation. Because in the wrong hands, if you're really good at persuasion, it can become manipulation. And I think that's the dark side of it, but I think it's so important for, for us out there that are trying to do good work and to try, try to actually make an impact to really lean into persuasion, not from a manipulating angle, but for that angle of helping that person. Because it's like you said, when it comes to crisis management, the goal is 
that, I mean, whether it's maybe like trying to help somebody not jump off a bridge. Like that's what I picture when I hear crisis management. It's like someone's like about to end their life jumping off a bridge. And that's like scary and crazy and chaotic. I can only imagine. And in that moment, they think that's their only option. So in order to get them to step off that ledge, you have to use that persuasion. Now, it's not manipulative because you don't want them to die. Like you literally want to help them live the rest of their life. And it, and it might be kind of a juvenile example, but I feel like that would really help someone that might be listening at home understand that. And, and we could totally dive into that. But, but I really want to circle back to, you mentioned you not only burned out once, but you burned out twice. And man, I, I can relate. Burnout is very dear to my heart as someone who likes to help people overcome and prevent burnout. I, I'm curious just to, to get your thoughts on it. When you hear that word burnout, what, what com comes to mind to you? Red, this is such a powerful question. I, it's, a, it's an interesting to bring up the conversation, how do I feel about the word? Because I think that for me, there is a before and after. When I, once I, when I got to the job, I knew that some people had burned out their burnouts were not so heavy as my first burnout because they didn't end up in the hospital. But I, I had like a series of complications. I, I, I read, I, I drank poisoned water. Let's call it poison because I don't, I don't, I can't say it, it was poison, but it had like heavy, heavy metal and heavy metals on it. So it was contaminated. And th this sped up a process of burnout that my body was already giving some signs. And before this happened, for me, I was like, oh, wow, Bur they burn out, really? Don't they have like a conscience that something's happening to them? Like they're getting tired. And so it was a little bit of like too distant for me and seemed like not as important as it is. And when I lived through it the first time and the doctor said, you had a mixture of blind and a burnout caused by the burnout, this for me was shocking because I was depleted and I realized that this happened because we as humans, we try, we try at, at least in, in this moment of our lives, when we're working, we try to be like this only potent being, like we want to give the best of ourselves all the time and just shine in all moments. And so... When I saw myself burned out, I felt completely impotent. So the, the extreme opposite. And for me, I was like, it's so crazy for me how I oscillated from feeling like a, almost a God, like I have to do this to feel powerful, to being completely powerless and not able to do anything because I, I literally had to sit down for six months to heal my body. I couldn't go out on the street because I had to, I, I lost all my flora. My stomach had no enzymes. I couldn't process food in the right way. And I had to, if I got out on the street, I could get like a, a simple disease and die. Like a flu could kill me. So it was really weird. This was an extreme example of a burnout. And the second time that I got a burnout, I already had a few signs coming up that I was like, okay, so I'm burning out again. This is happening and I have to manage this. How can I manage this the best way? I think that I did a good job 
because I didn't crash as I did the first time. But my body, for me, the burnout starts with my body. And my body had all these signs of a burnout coming, uh, a burnout coming really soon. My blood levels, my sugar levels were insane, insanely high, even though I was eating the same stuff. My, my, I had like blank spots on my beard as well. Uh, I, I had like this really irritable bowel syndrome, like really, really strong. And these signs told me, wow, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going through it again. I don't want to have a complete breakdown with this burnout. So I'm going to stop. And I made the decision to stop. Like in one week, I, I told everybody that and I was I, I wanted to stop doing my job because it's really demanding and people understood. So it was good. It was good to know when to stop. Maybe if I had known a little better, I would have stopped even before I started having these physical symptoms, but it's, it's really serious stuff. Man, that's first off. Thank you for sharing because I know I always say it on my show. Vulnerability is our super strength. And I believe it's not, we don't share the hard things sometimes, especially in this, this social media world, this entrepreneurial world, we see a lot of nice cars, the, the big wins and the, and the mansions and stuff. And a lot of people don't get to see the struggle on the way or the failures on the way that define us. And I just want to take a moment and appreciate you for being vulnerable and real about something that you faced. One thing that I found so interesting in your story is that you said that burnout started with your body. And, and I'm curious to, to hear now knowing where burnout was for you in two separate occasions. I'm curious to hear what, can you identify maybe some, any of the specific triggers or factors that might have contributed to you getting to that feeling of burnout? Another great question, Red. So... I think it's a mixture of two things for me. And one thing is something that I can control. And the other one is something that's in my control. So I'm, I should have known better. But the thing that I can't control is external expectations. So I know, I know that half of the reason why I burned out is because I, at least for the second time, it's because I wanted to get a promotion. And it didn't matter what I, what I did. It didn't matter what I do at that time. They, people weren't given, giving me a chance to, to get a promotion and become a, a level two associate where I was working. And that was because there wasn't room for so, so many level two associates. It was frustrating because I, I had been told that if I was really good, I would be promoted no matter what. But I think that that was like just, from the, something that people just say from the mouth, but they don't mean it. And so I got really frustrated with that because I tried in like very different ways to show value. The value was there. Uh, one of my bosses was like, man, you, you are delivering too much. Stop doing this. You're not going to get a promotion because there's no room, but you're incredible. So I was getting good feedback. But there was no room. And the second thing was not knowing when to stop, when, when your body gives signs. Like we would work, I would work for 16 hours a day, sometimes seven days a week. And it was really intense. It's really 
nice to work and help other people. Like there's so much value that you can perceive almost at instantly when you're talking to someone and then you help someone. So you gave the example of somebody trying to take their own lives. And this happened a few times. And I don't know why, but one person would call every day and she would threat to kill herself if she didn't speak to me because she really liked how I was able to connect with her and help her go through what she was going through. And she did this like for, I don't know, months. It was crazy. And we had to know how to manage this, but the value was so instant and, and you help someone and like people want to, want to be with you more, but you have like I was giving myself too much and not having enough time to rest, to eat, and to sleep. And then I started having first signs for me was I was I would have like this little migraine. I would get a little bit blind of one side, but people would say that oh no, it's normal for the stress. Oh, it's something that the body will build up some resistance to it, but it never builds. Like the the symptoms only changed, you know. And they get, they got worse. So it, it would start with this. And then I know that this is a trigger for me. Every time that I feel this, I know that now I know that I'm working too much. And then I stop and oh, I try to take it easier. For sure. For sure. Man, such a, I, I'm, I'm picturing like, I'm just picturing being in your shoes and being this crisis manager and getting that call from that lady that's threatening to to end her life and only wanting to speak to you like i can only imagine the the weight of that like obviously it it's like twofold i'm sure you feel great because you you really feel like you're going to help this person it's almost it's really easy when we're in this space of helping people i feel like it's easy for us to almost get into a hero complex and Unfortunately, like I feel like when we're in a space of service and I feel like I'm speaking to a lot of entrepreneurs out here because a lot of us entrepreneurs are service-based businesses. And when you're in that space, it's so easy to get into that hero complex. But the truth is like we can't handle that amount of pressure and trying to handle that amount of pressure will inevitably lead to burnout like you experienced firsthand. And I almost like reverse engineer the 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 root causes of burnout so that's what kind of interests me so as i'm sitting there thinking about your story i wonder if that that emotional and physical and honestly even on a spiritual level of of weight was so heavy on you for for taking on that responsibility so i'm curious like where were you at in that space like like where were you at in mind frame like what what was it like in that that season in that moment red this is Listening to you speak, it's crazy how you how you nailed a lot of the um, sensations that we end up having in this in this service industry. Because yes, there is a hero complex that that kind of I I feel that invaded our the way we looked at the, the our jobs, and it's crazy because for me I was in a I was in a state of flow for the whole time, and this is something that. It's crazy because when you're in, in a state of flow, things do get, go easier. Like it's easier to work. It's easier to do everything. But since it was so intense, 
and I was just giving myself completely. And I, I, I don't, I don't like, it's crazy for me. This question is so hard for me to answer because I don't remember because I just remember doing my job and trying to do it to the best of my ability and getting to a point where I was so confident about what I was doing that I didn't even see like days and months go by. Like I would, after the, my first crash, I got back to it again. And the only thing that I changed, I, I put an alarm on my clock at, at the end of the, a normal nine to five day for me to take a one hour break. That's all I did to change. And I, I would make myself get out of the space of work, do something else to rest. And then I would go back. But it was insane because I was always in, in a state of flow. And another thing that's really crazy is that having burned out for, for a good reason, people started coming to talk to me, other people that worked in a company because they were getting burned out. And the leadership at the company couldn't see that people were burning out. So they would come to me to speak about their symptoms, to speak about how they were feeling. And we ended up having, creating this small, I'm not going to say burnout club because that sounds sadistic, but uh, a sadist, I, I'm not a sadist, but we created this space where people could feel at ease. They knew they were there to rest or talk about what they were feeling. And this was really good for morale, but I was always in a state of flow, man. It was so bad like good, bad, that I had to actually put an alarm on my cell phone to stop. Man, I, I love that. And it's so interesting to me, as you say, because uh, I feel like as content creators, as a lot of people in general, it's so easy that when you're in the middle of the flow to just lose track of time, to forget to eat, to do all those things. Like, like I, I experienced that. Like I'm right there with you. And I think it's so interesting that once you had the the radical bravery to admit that you hit this level of burnout, how that vulnerability created this human connection with your coworkers where you made this whole group of just being aware of it. Because I think that that's a, a big step in getting and overcoming, overcoming and preventing burnout from happening again is that self-awareness. But it, it's a both and because even though we are very self-aware, we need help to be self-aware, I, I would think. And, and like, because we can't see our blind spots. Like when we're tunnel vision into our mission, into the things that make us feel alive, unfortunately, those same things can also drain us to death. And it's this weird paradox that we go through. But, but I, I appreciate you for sharing that because it's, it's so real and it's so relatable. And, I, and I'm curious, so now that you, you are kind of on the other side of these burnouts, Aside from the, the setting the alarm, is there any other maybe practical, more practical steps that you're taking now to help you prevent this from happening again? So, Red, I think that the connection got a little bit, I don't know, um, I have the impression that my Twitter got a little bit of latency, but talking about things that I do to prevent today, it's going to sound so weird. I, I feel like, I feel like I'm going to say this and I, I'm, I'm Catholic. And I feel that when I say this, maybe God is going to be like, oh my God, I, I can't believe he's, said, he's saying this. 
but I make myself be lazier in the morning. I, I, I it's something conscious. Like I, I make myself have a slow morning until like 10 o'clock to start working. And I can go until the time that I need to work uh, because I also work better um, during the afternoon time. But I have, today I have, so I, I give myself lazy mornings and I give myself two hours to eat every meal with an alarm clock. And so I, I still use the alarm clock. I use two hours for my lunch. I use two hours for my dinner. And I've made myself, I've, yeah, I've made myself be more mindful and, and present when I'm eating because I, I eat lunch by myself. So I'm resting and at night I eat dinner with my wife. So I take that time to be with her, to be with my family and just be. And if I need to do anything else later, I will do, but I have these pockets of rest throughout my day. There are long rests and that's what I do. That's great. Those are really solid tips. One thing, oh, let's see. There we go. There we go. Okay, we're good now. A little bit of feedback. These are these are great, great practical tips. One thing I I, I want to dive in a little bit deeper on, if you don't mind me asking. So when you opened that, you, you mentioned your faith, and you you almost felt guilty for saying you had a slower moment. Could you kind of elaborate on wh why why you felt that? That is such a good question, <laughs> and I have a joke that when I say this. Because I've told many people that I have lazy mornings. And the joke I tell is that I have sort of like a Christian guilt of not working, of not doing anything. But I feel like I feel guilty because especially when you, when you go online on Twitter and when you go into these entrepreneurial groups, you see a lot of people saying like, you got to give your 100% all the time and you got to be, I know like. One thing that I I loved about your club is is how the the how the the title of it is it's not the title it's how the name of it is better than best because that is that is very nuanced that's something that like shows that there's some knowledge and wisdom behind it and it's so rare to see because people are just like work smart and hard, play hard, and it's, it's so intense and it's so not real because, man, you got to have some downtime. Okay, I'm a little bit lazy and this last four months. I've been blacking off on, on gym because it's been cold here in Brazil. But I have to go back because I, I got myself a little tummy. But I, I think that I say guilt because you see all these groups of people like work, that they seem to be working so hard and they might be working really hard, but they should also take care of not like filling their schedule with so much stuff and stuff and forgetting to be mindful and present on the day to day uh, for the small things and taking some rest and just, just being bored, you know? Um, yeah, I think that. That's why I feel guilty. That's totally fair. And it's very relatable. I, I, I'm a man of um, Christian faith. So 
So I, I understand when it comes to that faith aspect. Um, I don't know if our beliefs align exactly, but when it comes to like, I believe God created the world, right? He created the whole entire universe and even a God that doesn't need to rest or ever get worn out or do any of that. He stopped on the seventh day. He rested. And and when when I came across that uh, realization, that light bulb moment, it really made me think about it so hard because uh, we, we've got to give ourselves grace because if we only surround ourselves with these grind 25, eight, yeah, not even 24, seven, it's 25, eight, because it's ridiculous because it's not obtainable. And you're setting this bar ridiculously high that you end up turning to procrastination or you end up just stopping and burning out because you don't learn. And I've, I've kind of coined it this way. It's the rhythm of rest because it's not saying that you're not going to work out. I mean, you're not going to work hard in ever. It's not saying always rest. It's saying that certain seasons call for certain things, but you have to find that rhythm. And a lot of people try to coin it as balance, but I, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that there's a balance to it. I think it's more of a rhythm because like, like music, me being a, a drummer, I, I have that idea of like, there's a rhythm to it. There's a acknowledgement of where a note is and where the space is, but you have to have both and you have to have an awareness of both. And it's just, I, I feel like so many people, you yourself included, when you get into those spaces of feeling guilty about having the lazy morning, I want to encourage you to give yourself that permission to slow down. Because if there's anything I've learned from the coaches and mentors I've had is the real way to speed up is to slow down and find the pace that works for you. Because like this life's a marathon, obviously. Like, like if we try to sprint our way through a marathon, we'd be done in maybe a mile, maybe two miles. Like we wouldn't make it. But if we find that the right pace for the right time, because I'm sure if you're doing a marathon and like you're downhill, of course, you're going to be going faster. But if you're going uphill, you have to find a pace that finds that rhythm. And oh, like, it's so good. I, I love that idea of your slow, lazy mornings and you're giving yourself two hours to eat every meal and having that mindfulness to be present. But ultimately, I think it goes down to you have to find what works for you. And that's, the I think, the hardest part that I see in this space, especially with people that have coaches and have these roadmaps and these blueprints, is they're showing you how they did it. And they're expecting you to do it exactly how they did it. But we're not wired the same. And like I, I feel like that's what kind of sets me apart in my, my podcast and in my coaching and my mentoring is I really like to sit with the person in front of me and, and see what makes them tick. Like you mentioned, like lazy mornings are good for you because you work harder in the afternoon. On the flip side, when it gets after lunch and I've ate a big meal, usually that's when I eat a big meal, I, I'm done for the day. So if I can get up early, prioritize sleep at night. But if I get up early, I do a lot of things. Like today I, I slept in a little bit because I've been um, a part of this youth camp. So I've been up later than usual. So I gave myself some grace to sleep in a little bit. But then my, my five-month-old daughter still got up early. So I was up with her. So I was like, I might as well do the things that I need to do. But I say all that to say that like I'm most active in the morning. And now on the flip side, my wife is most active a little bit later. So it's like finding that rhythm even in our own relationships. But, oh, I, it's, it's so refreshing to hear someone that, that gets it. And I appreciate you noticing the nuance of the name better than best because a lot of people don't, don't, don't catch it. 
they think, oh, this is like, what, what do you mean by better than best? And it's truly that idea of like, I feel like we're always growing. But growth doesn't always look like growth when you're growing. It's that idea of the bamboo. Like and when bamboo's growing, it's like, what, years in the ground before it shoots up. And I feel like someone watching may be in that space. They may be a little discouraged because they feel like they're grinding and grinding. And they may be in that space that you mentioned where you're in almost like the expectations that are outside of your control that you want to advance in your career, but there's just no space for it. And oh, like, I, I can't, I, I can't stress enough how important it is to realign what you see when it comes to success. And with that said, I'm curious, how would you define success and accomplishments? I just want to, I just wanted to um, appreciate and like having this moment to appreciate you, Red, because I think that something that you said here right now really resonated with me. Some of the things you said right now were things that I needed to hear, especially regarding the rhythm, the rhythm of the rest. This is such a powerful insight. Just brought me like a powerful insight of because sometimes I feel guilty, yes, but what you're saying about the rhythm, it makes so much sense. And when you think about it as a rhythm, it's easier to see how one thing actually contributes to balance the other. And maybe I feel that I can see my mornings with less guilt, which is really good. And regarding your, your question on success, this is, oh, this is another great question because for me, Ren, I think I, I, I think it's been a long journey for me from what I thought success was when I was younger, even when I was doing crisis management, I thought success was being super efficient, like almost a machine and getting, getting paid well to do our jobs, have a traditional family. And some of these are still true to me. So I, I'm, I come from a traditional family and I do believe in the traditional family sense. So I have, I have me and my wife and I want to have kids. And that for me is a part of success that we are battling to do this every day. And I call it a battle because it's so challenging to be able to juggle with all the different things you have to juggle with and keep them growing, keep them running. So it's, it's definitely a battle. And at the same time, you, you have to look to your family and you have to, you have to take time to appreciate and be with them. I think that the world today is so easy for you to go on a very self-centered solo journey. And, but I don't think that that gets you far. Like it can, can be faster, but I don't think it gets you very far. And, but other parts of success have changed complete, completely. I worked at a bank. I thought, oh, I'm done. Like my life now I, I've beaten the, the boss, the final boss, and I can chill here forever at a bank because I'm getting paid good money. There's no reason why I should stay. But I felt like I was going dumb the more time that I was there. And when I got to crisis management, I had like this really steep learning curve. But after some time, 
trying to grow and doing the same things and seeing no results and trying too hard, I felt like success that first I deposited on money and then I deposited on being effortful were bad definitions. And now I'm, it's something that I'm still trying to find the best place to, in this sense of success, professional success. But one thing that's true to me all along, it's helping people. I think that helping people in the best way we can with, with the skills we have is tremendous success, especially when it changes someone, someone's lives, someone, someone's life. Yeah. And it's, and I think that that, that's also a definition of happiness. I don't believe in internal happiness. Just be happy, find happiness within. No, I think that happiness is a complex equation. But I think that a lot comes from people out there and that you're helping every day. And that for me, I think that that's a sort of better definition of success. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Let's see. Hopefully there's not too much. Okay, cool. Feedback there. Sorry about that. Um, I love that you mentioned that your, your wife and you, it kind of broke up on my end. Did you say that you had kids or you're, you're planning to have kids? Was we're planning to have kids. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. I love that. I have two kids myself, two and a half year old and a five month old. And there's nothing like being a dad and a parent. And, and I love that you mentioned making that time. A lot of times we call our, our Fridays here, family fun days. It's all family, all fun, all day. And it's, it tweaks a little bit because in this season, you know, some of my podcasts and some of my working is done on Friday, but we had a little lunch, breakfast, kind of brunch kind of thing right before I got on. And it's just making those moments matter because me taking the time to doing that was just as important as me getting in here and pre-planning for this podcast. And like me, like probably three years ago, would have been like, I, I can't do this, this breakfast. I have to focus and be as, as planned and prepared as I can. And something I've learned in my own journey is like, that is preparation. And I love that you said that, that, that piece on being effective and, and working hard. One thing that's been really beneficial to me is reminding myself and reframing when I do get that time to rest, that that is productive. That in that moment, that's the most productive thing I can do is to be present. And, and I think that's huge. And, and one thing I love that you mentioned is helping people because I too, like, I feel like at the core of our, our humanity and what we were created to do, aside from being created to create, I feel like the next thing we would do would be we were created to, to help one another. And I'm curious, why, why do you want to help people? Why do I want to help people? Ah. And Red, isn't there like any easy questions you can ask? <laughs> Could we go back to what's my name? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Why do I want to help people? I'm going to try to be um, as precise as I can and straightforward as I can, but it's a hard question. I think that the most straightforward question answer is because this is, this is something that gives me pleasure having someone that's having a difficulty. I worked in crisis management because I wanted to help people that were in a bad situation to be able to rebuild their lives. And I realized there and then that I would never be able to do that 
I can only help so much, even though people were being paid good amounts of money, even better than they were ha getting more money that even more money that they had before the accidents. But it's like our, our capacity for change is so big and still so small. So for me, it's just, it's like, it sounds selfish, but it's like a personal pleasure to be able to help someone to change a, a perspective or to be able to, to help with something more simple at that perspective. Maybe somebody needs help in a, I don't know, a new project or, or I don't know. I don't want to get uh, lost in thoughts here, but yeah, for me, that gives me pleasure. But I think that there's a more complex answer to this, that it, it, man, this is such a good question. I think that it's all about when, when you see that you're not only productive, but what you do makes sense to people and takes them from point A and you improve them from point A to point B, um, this is man, this is too rewarding. It, it's like, it's an honor to be able to do that with people. And that's why I like working with people and with services. I believe that, especially around communication, because I started this journey because of communication and negotiation. I believe that people, we lose a lot of good opportunities because our com conversation is flawed. Our communication is flawed. And hopefully, uh, I can help people understand how to communicate better, even though I know that I don't think, I don't see myself as a good negotiator, a uh, uh, good communicator and negotiator. I just see myself as someone that's, that has a little bit of like a more elevated consciousness around this soft subject. And for me, that gives me an edge. Yeah, that's it. I love that. So good. Man, I got to pause and just say, this has like been one of my favorite conversations I've had on my podcast. Like you're just a, a genuine guy that uh, I re really relatable. And I feel like I, I'm, I'm really glad that this, this is happening. And I know that outside of just doing a recording, that this is definitely a, a great connection. And I look forward to continuing to be connected with you. And I love what you said. Our capacity to change is so big, yet still so small. Man, that, that's a tweet right there. <laughs> that, that's so good. That's so good because it says so much. And, and that's, a, that's a beautiful thought. But I, I'd like to start kind of landing the plane and wrapping up our conversation today. So I only have two more questions for you. And I, I love that you said, where are the easy questions? Maybe this next question is an easier question. I, I pride myself on great questions. Like if I could ever be remembered for anything myself is that I, I'm able to tell great stories and that I'm able to ask great questions. If I can do those two things and then obviously showing, sharing the love of God. And, but those would probably be the three things that I would love to be remembered for myself. But with these last two questions, the first one is, do you have any questions for me? I know I, I love to ask questions, but I also like to flip it on my guests to see if they have any. I have, I have, I was actually going to say this. I feel so bad because I'm usually not used to talk about myself. I have a question for you. And the first question that I have for you is, why did you decide to do the better than best project? I, 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 I thought that it was just 
this club, of course, I'm sorry that I'm using this. I, I don't know how to use this word the right way. I'm sorry. But I see now that there's a project to it just by hearing your uh, questions. And I was wondering, um, why did you decide to do this? Great question. Great question. Let's see. Okay, cool. Our mics are good. Why did I start the Better Than Best Academy? I guess you could call it. It's kind of became an academy. I, I love that you call it a club. It's It started as just kind of, I, so I worked for a, a YouTube channel as a video editor. And she was like, kind of like a life coach, kind of like motivational speaker. She had a, a video podcast on YouTube. And I got really inspired by her doing that, that I wanted to do something like that. Because I've always been kind of on creative with video, obviously editing, but just I, I love the idea of communication and telling stories and connecting with people. It didn't start with the, the conversations. It actually started with just me in front of a camera, not even in front of a camera, in front of a mic. And it was just audio. And I, and I took about five to 10 minutes and it was very, it was Focus more towards like my faith aspect and in the Bible and reading the Bible and what I was learning from it and just motivating people through what I've been motivated by in my faith. And it started there because I actually my, my pastor mentioned this would be something you would be good at. Why not try it? And it was like very like a nonchalant statement, but I just ran with it. And that was in 2018. So it kind of had very, very humble beginnings. And I, and I did it for, uh, and it was like one, if I could do one episode a week like that was the mission and it was five to ten minutes nothing too crazy and it, it evolved into a video I got burnt out because I was doing that working a full-time job serving at my church playing drums helping with the the youth of my church and I, I through all that and I was rapping as well I also had a a 10-year rap career which I'll, I'll slip that in there as well but I I, I was just doing way too much to say the least I mean, they were all passion projects. I'll, I loved all of it, but it came to a time where I kind of had to focus in. But it, the, even better than best was birthed out of a song title. So it's funny how that even got birthed and how it continues to evolve into what it is now. But yeah, at the heart of it all, it's like you said, I want to impact and help people. And that's even why like, it's almost two years now that I've started doing mindset coaching, kind of life coaching, business coaching, whatever you would like to. It's such a weird umbrella when you start talking about coaching, but essentially having great conversations with people and helping them have that self-awareness. But yeah, at its core, the Better Than Best Academy, the podcast, the project, whatever it evolves into even more is, is that heart of helping people. Because at my lowest, I, I was burnt out. I was, even before that, before I came to know God for who he is in my, in my aspects was, I mean, I can remember like having fresh out of high school, right before college, university. I don't know how they say it all over. I know it's, a, it's I'm learning how the, the, the dialogue changes to different people. But right before I was going to that next level of education, I, I suffered like an awful breakup and it crushed me. And you, you know, when you're in that earlier stage of young love, you're like, this is it. I'm done. I'm done with life kind of thing. But I've had all those moments. And as that journey's progressed, I just feel like what if I could have those conversations and encourage someone, serve someone, help them, you know, create what they're hoping to create 
And, and it seems so as abstract. And every time someone asks this, because this is usually the question that I get asked, and I appreciate it every time because it just makes me get excited to think about it because it's, it's been such a journey and it will continue just to be a journey. But it's that commitment to lifelong learning, lifelong growth. Like that's the, at its core, better than best means like we're never going to arrive. Like in this life, I believe like the finish line is death. And it sounds morbid to think about, but like if we're always trying to reach a goal, when we get that goal, whether it's like a certain dollar amount or the certain house or like, you know, all the monetary goals that we have, we arrived at that and we're like, what's next? But the thing is, like in this life, I feel like our main finish line is death. So what are we doing to only get better and better daily? And that better isn't a personal, like selfish gain. It's like, a better to make that impact, to, to root, truly like unify people, change the world. Like I get, I'll, I'll get way too excited talking about it, but, but that's, that's pretty much it in a, in a nutshell. Man, I, I love the answer and I just had like a burning second question in my mind that I want to ask you. Because you said that our finish line in, in this life is death. And yes, I agree with you completely. But I kept on thinking of, and I'm sorry if this sounds like a bad question, but I wanted to ask you, like, how, how do you see, and if it sounds too religious as well, I'm sorry, but I also have a bit of a spiritual and religious side to me. How, how does how does the perspective of knowing God or believing in God change or helps you changes? Does it change or does it help you in any way giving like a north direction to, to you, the better than best academy? How, how, do you feel that God is in some way, like what part does God play in this plan of yours? Does this question make sense to, to you? Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, it's a great question. I am all for the faith, religion, religious questions and, and the God questions. So I, I'm never going to shy away from those. And I would say that he's the foundation of it for me. Like it's built on God. Like, and I come, I come with this feeling fresh off of helping like our, our youth camp, like our, our young, like middle school, high school age kids, they have a camp where it's just like they get to um, have, have worship music and someone speaks and preaches about the, the word of God for like three, four days. So the last three days I've been playing drums for our worship experiences. So like I'm getting to see like the, the next generation experience God firsthand and there's truly nothing like it. And like it's those moments right there. If I can translate that into everything I do, like obviously at the end of the day, I'm by no means going to like bash somebody on the head with the Bible and say, you're going to hell if you don't believe in Jesus. Now, it's true, but, but at the same time, like that's not going to change someone's life. Like having real conversations and meeting people where they're at, like that's what's going to change people's life. Like something I've learned in, in the little bit, the very small bit of psychology that I've started to learn is like, the, the best thing that we can do is not seek to try to tell people what to think or, or get them to agree or disagree, but it's to seek understanding. 
in the person in front of you. And that's something I've been challenged with. And that's kind of where the, the, the faith aspect comes to me. It's like, I want to have real conversations for real people. I, I'm, I, I don't want to like sugarcoat anything. I don't want to even shy away from the fact that I, I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus. But at the same time, I'm not going to do it in a way that makes someone so uncomfortable that they're, they're going to be polar, polarized from it. Because I believe like the message of Jesus at its core was, was truth and love. And, and a lot of my, my coaching and a lot of my conversations, are, I, I think people deserve to hear the kind truth. And, and I, I believe that there's the truth. And, and for instance, like if someone had something in their teeth and no one ever told them about something in their teeth, the truth is they have a piece of spinach in their teeth and they're walking around unaware of that. And someone like you got to have those people in your life that are going to like pull you aside and be like, Listen, homie, you got a little, there's a little something right there. And, and that's kind of that, that, that's uh, another aspect of what I hope that, that I can be for people is that, is that person that's going to be real enough with people to tell them that. And I think that comes from my faith in God. Like the, God is definitely like the, the guiding light for all that I do. And he's the, the foundation of all of this. And obviously I would love for everyone to experience Jesus in a, in a, in a great way. Like it, it's, and I love it. My, the, the church I'm a part of one of our like core values is like, we want to create that atmosphere for people to encounter Jesus. And, and if I could like take that <laughs> core value and make it my own and, and many others that they have aligns, like help people discover their purpose. Like that's another one. And again, it all aligns with the fact that, you know, God being that center focus for me, but man, I, I love that question. I really do appreciate it. Man, I just want to say, amen. Thank you for being so generous with the answer. And I'm also a Christian, but I've had like, my faith has been like, I've had like a bit of a struggle. I've came from a past of struggle and, but I have this newfound faith from like three, four years ago. And I'm, I'm learning a lot. So I just wanted to let you know that I also look up to you as somebody that al already has this, this relationship to God, that's something that's new for me, but it's really an eye opener. When, when you get in touch with it, it's like life changes for the best times 1000 infinity, infinity. Blah. I don't know. I'm bad at math, but yeah, <laughs> it's just, yeah. Thank you for being so generous and being so open-hearted i admire you also for saying for being the guy that t tells people like you got spinach there uh, i th i see myself as that person as well like even though sometimes it might not like people might feel uncomfortable i rather say tell them that because it's it's going to make it better so man thank you so much i have many other questions but you said that you wanted to wrap up i want to do like I, I want to do one time me asking you questions because I have a lot of questions to ask you, but these were two that I could not, not ask. <laughs> for sure. For sure, man. Fabio, it's been, it's been great for sure. It's a band. Great's not even the word for it. I, I really, I really feel like this is a divine connection and by all means, let's definitely schedule. Mm -hmm. 
something else for you to ask me questions. It, those are always intimidating because I, I, I'm always the one asking questions. So I'm like, anytime I get that opportunity, it, it makes me laugh. But, but with that said, I think as far as what we recorded here today, I think that's solid. Like I, I like to say, I like to go till we're full. <laughs> There's no sense in overeating. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching and listening today. Let's stay connected. You can either click on the video or click that little subscribe button so we can stay connected. And also be sure to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at coach.redwallet to get more consistent encouragement and motivation to live your better than best life.